Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to another fun-filled mommy group. We're so happy you're here. What's up, people? Yay, happy um, hump day. It's mommy group, group day. As Brandy awkwardly caresses her belly and says hump day. Guys, we have a good episode today. We are talking about, um, there was an article that went out about the 60 things you should never say to your kids. We hate pretty much all of them. You are going to be so surprised. I think all of us are failing at parenting according to these such and such experts. Yeah, we don't like them. Um, and we, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about an amazing article from a woman who raised... Raising CEOs. CEOs. This one touched me so, I mean, it hit home. I love yeah. it. Because really, I'm obviously raising CEOs. You are. Duh. Really tangible, great advice. Um, and then we're talking a little bit about just like the, the dad roles. What's expected of dads. Sometimes we call it, you know, dad's babysitting. Brandy it's had an amazing situation. It's called co-parenting. Oh my gosh. Um, and then Brandy has some really good advice of creative ways that you can sneak some veggies into your kids' food that you're going to want to do for your own meals because they're delicious. Okay, sneaky. Get ready to we'll get into Trader Joe's. Yep, and then we'll get into um, our products. Three really good products today. All right, dude, let's get into it. I swear I always fall for these things like late at night when mm -hmm. anything, any title, which is like such clickbait, but any title that starts with a number, like the 10 things you absolutely should never do, or like the seven <laughs> beauty products that will make you 12. Like if it says a number and then a description, I will click it. And I saw one last night that said 60 things you should never, ever say to your kids. When I saw I'd that. I clicked that. I clicked it immediately because <laughs> immediately. I was like, what expert is going to tell us exactly what we should and shouldn't be saying? Yeah. It's on Red Book, um, written by a named woman by name Charlotte Hilton, Charlotte Hilton Anderson, and Great Jessica Booth. No idea who these women are, no idea if they are like parenting experts, if they are psychologists, don't know anything about them other than they created this thing and it's literally 60 pictures that's like a bright pink picture with a phrase on it and then a description. And they're very common phrases. They're things that like you say all the time or you hear people say all the time. Some of them are ridiculous. Like don't say you're fat, like duh. But a lot of them are <laughs> shocking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. And I, and I think it's important to point out too that they're all kind of gathered from other authors who, like from different books. So I think it's accumulation or of- Or an educator, yeah. or someone with right. a PhD. So Perfect. they're coming from a place of, you know, yeah. expertise. So there's a couple that we wanted to dive into. Um, and this one I don't want to get into too much, but I do want to just like tell you how kind of confusing it is. So one of them, in, in on big quotes, it says, you can be anything you want to be. And that this is something we should not say. Now, the reason I think is a little bit ridiculous, but it says basically telling kids that they can do anything, whether fueled by imagination or hard work, obscures the critical role of chance in success. Not every child who wants to be a surgeon or sports star can become one, even if they work hard at it. At the same time, in every success story, there is the grace of good fortune. Right. I mean, I think it's going back to even our last episode. Talk about we hard talking, knocks. Jeez. Well, even when we were talking about our last episode with commitment versus, you know, doing something, yeah. when you were talking about Connor's friend, you know, wanting mm -hmm. to do a baseball thing, it's the same kind of thing. Do you, you know, and Mike knowing the reality, like yeah. really how how many, how, what percentage of these kids are actually going to make it. So I do understand it to a certain degree, but at the same time, we've lived and operated by this whole idea and notion of like anything is possible. Like that's yes. the American dream. That's I totally disagree. I've been doing yeah. affirmations with Millie since she was a blueberry in my belly. Uh, I can't with you. <laughs> I wrote a post about it. Yes, I was doing affirmations even when I was, you know, she was a couple days old. I still do them. I think you should tell your child, yes, you can do anything you want. You can be whoever you want. I think the only time that this becomes maybe unhealthy is if they're pursuing this goal of just being a pro athlete 
and or the a kid, singer or yeah, a and the kid, you know, isn't gonna probably make it. No, there. I think that's fair, but I think that's the assumption that it's not that. Oh, I'm going to be Britney Spears because mm-hmm. we don't want that. But yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I think in general, if you're in school and you're excelling, and it's like, you know, mom. What you know in school today, we learned about what we're gonna be, and I think I might want to be an astronaut. Like, mm-hmm. right? The chances of you becoming an astronaut are slim to none, maybe. But maybe an engineer. You might not go to space, but you can make the rocket. But I feel like, sh- shut up. Like, yeah. just shut up. Yeah. I want to tell this woman to shut up. To me, this is a really bad one. To me, the idea to say, listen, there's a little bit of chance and luck that gets into these things. It will prevent people from pursuing things because they're already mm-hmm. seeing the failure. Why not move forward into this dream with the utmost belief in yourself that you're going to do it? Because, first of all, that's part of life. You're going to have things you want to accomplish. It's not going to go your way. You're going to have to learn how to deal with that, number right. one. Number two is you can't accomplish anything you can't see for yourself. I believe that fully. If you can see a future for yourself and a beautiful, loving marriage with a healthy, wonderful family and a job that <coughs> you love, that's how you can go ahead and make it happen because you recognize it when it's in front of you. If you don't see those things for yourself and all you see are the, what are the chances, what are this? You don't see it when it's in front of you. It goes against all the school of thought of manifestation, which I yeah. totally believe in, which is like if you don't manifest it, it's not going to happen. So basically what we're saying or what this is saying is don't put that in your kid's head because don't make, you know, reality unattainable, which yeah. is, again, I agree, it's bogus Ugh. to me because you always, like, and I'm sorry, but that percentage, that even that 0.01 mm-hmm. percentage of a person who will make it, why can't it be your child? <laughs> you raised your hand? I raised, I raised my hand and I felt like a loser. <laughs> teacher's was- pet, teacher's pet, I'm not a <laughs> Hey, so this struck a chord with me because, so uh, I grew up in a house where my dad served in the Army 40 years, worked super hard. Then he continued to work, um, uh, he served in the Army 40 years, continued to work uh, for the government. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, definitely kept herself busy volunteering and being engaged with all of our activities. But I had this big desire to be a physician when I was little. Then I wanted to be an attorney. And those were always in my mind. And to this day, I tell my parents, you guys made me feel like those were too expensive because um, how expensive it would be to go to college, the extra schooling, the loans. And because no one in our family has any of those professions. Um, My dad was the first person in his uh, family to go to college. He has several degrees. Um, and then I was the first person in my family, but definitely they made me feel like those were unattainable. It was not part of, you know, anything that we would ever do. It was just so intimidating, and it really never made me feel like those were things. I well, could so ever don't pursue. you then disagree with this thing? Because originally you said you agree with the fact that no, she said disagree. No, no, yeah, I disagree, and I'm saying I can even speak oh. from personal point that yeah, I mean. And, and those were things that I also disagree with what this person said about being a surgeon because there are so many learned skills. Yes. You know, I definitely think athletics is, you know, you can be very good and even maybe great mm-hmm. with training and so forth, but a lot of that is pure talent. Yes. Whereas academic-wise, you can really work your hiney off and get to a certain place. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, you know, I could, guys, I wouldn't even be here right now. I'd be in surgery because... <laughs> Because you'd be the best orthopedic yeah. surgeon. I do think like it's a, a slightly different um, topic, but when you were saying that they were like, it's probably, it's too, like these certain careers are too mm-hmm. expensive, the school, that is, I think, an honest conversation you can have with your kids. Listen, I would love you to be able to do that. You're going to have to get a financing. You're going to have to take out a loan. That's not something that we are in the position mm-hmm. to help you yes. accomplish. You have to want it bad enough that you're willing to take that on yourself. I think that's a, a normal, healthy mm-hmm 
conversation, not when they're five, right. but when they get to an age where they're deciding where they want to go to school, what they want to do with their lives, the reality of money is something I think that as long as it's shared calmly and it's not this like toxic thing in a kid's life. Where and transparently, is, yeah. We're like, hey, listen, we just, we cannot afford to send you to XYZ law school. That's not in, that's not in the cards for us. I would love nothing more, but we can't. But see, that's when this could actually be saying... But if you want to do yes. that and you can instill, right. you have the willpower to make that happen, yes, you can go yeah. ahead and be anything you want. So that's yeah. why I think, uh, like we said, we kind of all disagree with that. On that same note, there's this other one that so kind of struck, I mean, a lot of them yeah. struck a chord with me, not in a good way, but I'm disappointed in you. That's something we're not supposed to say. Yeah, saying, we're right? not supposed to say I'm disappointed in you. And the reason being is these words are often spoken to kids at times when they already feel bad. Trying to make them responsible for your disappointment only adds to their pain, says Lisa Cava- Cavalero. Who's an author, does yeah. not have an MD or PhD. But I, to <laughs> me, that that really bothered me because, first of all, I already feel like, the you know, and I'm sure every generation before us says this too, but the way our kids are growing up now, they have so much at their fingertips already that they don't even realize how lucky they are. And to me, I'm like, I should absolutely be telling you when I'm disappointed in you because I think I'm raising you in a way to make you believe that I am your role model. I am the person that you want to please the most. I am the person that you look up to the most. So if I don't tell you that I'm disappointed in you, how, what are you using as a standard or basis to say like, wait, my 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 mom is really upset with me about yeah. something. Like, you should be taking accountability for that. If yes. I'm disappointed in you, I know you're not, you know, performing to the level that you should be and that I know you can. Well, what I actually like about using those kinds of um, phrases, I'm disappointed in you in parenting, and my sister taught me this because she's been a mama for 12 years before me, is that it's the equivalent of saying, um, or not the equivalent, it's the opposite of saying, I'm mad, uh, I'm upset, you made me you know, frustrated or angry or what you're doing. The disappointed, I feel like, puts the pride on the child and it makes them kind of take ownership of whatever they've done, and it's being reflected by the parent. So I completely disagree with this person because I feel like that's almost the best thing to say to someone, to a child, when you're upset, but you don't want to be emotional, and you just want to kind of pose the question. I feel like it's very kind of open-ended too. I'm disappointed in you, and then that child can really be like, what did I do that disappointed them? Or Maybe they weren't upset with themselves. Yeah. But now that they've let who their hero is down. To me, I think that like you have to be held accountable when you screw up. Yeah, exactly. You, if you feel bad, <coughs> good. You should feel bad. Mm-hmm. You did a thing that you shouldn't do, right? And it can be a handful of different things. I mean, who knows what the particular yeah. situation is when you use that. But like, you did a thing you shouldn't do. It's going to feel like crap for a minute. It happens to all of us. We make a mistake. It feels badly. It feels so badly that we try to not make that mistake again. If everything feels like roses and cupcakes and chocolate and you're not acknowledging or registering that lesson because there's no definitive feeling attached to it, there's no memory attached to it, there's no anything, you're not learning anything from those experiences. So to me, it's so ridiculous to be like, they already feel bad. Don't make them feel... No, they should feel bad. You did this thing. You're not supposed to do this thing. You're going to learn because it's going to feel like crap. Can I Can I go back, just back one second, from the first one that you had talked about? Just because I thought it was interesting as I think about it with Brandy, what you were saying, that your parents told you you, you can't be a doctor or a lawyer because of money and stuff. I actually had the opposite, which is why I so strongly disagreed with that. You can't, you can be anything you want of not saying that because growing up for me it was you have to be a doctor engineer you know being first generation American coming from Indian parents it was very much like no your studies and everything are so important we will sell our own 
house so that way you can have that education. Whereas growing up, all I wanted to do was be in this industry and I wanted to actually help other women feel good about themselves because it was something I had a real passion for. And forever I grew up thinking, I can't do that. And so I feel like I'm playing catch up. Now at 37, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just now breaking into the industry that I really want to do. Whereas I'm like, mom, dad, do you know that if 20 years ago I had actually stuck with that? Can you imagine what I, I I I'm like, I would have the, I'd probably drive our, okay? You would not be <laughs> here with us. We'd be like, listen, you two losers. Or we'd be with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd be your bossy. But it just made me think, you yeah. know? So yeah. I, I, words, do your parents support Oh, absolutely, now? yes. But I do think that it comes with a lot of stuff too. The fact that I'm married, mm-hmm. the fact that I, you know, have stability. Like, I think if I were a single 37-year-old Indian yes. woman right now, I think my parents would be like, Get no, it it's because you're not a doctor and lawyer. That's why you're mm-hmm. the way you are. You know what I mean? So I I, I, th- I just thought that that was interesting. And that to me is something that I, I also think actions, as much as actions speak louder than words, um, things like this, the one thing that they do, we don't mention in this here is that I'm disappointed in you. Yes, say it, right? When you are really disappointed in them. I think something we might be missing is that the frequency of how often we say it. Yes, maybe we don't because oh, words yeah. can stick with you, right? So it's like, yes, but if I said it every every other time my of sentence is, I'm disappointed in you, that may and be taken internalized. D- uh, just like a quick sort of at least the way that I look at it is you can't there can be no disappointment without expectation. So if you expect you're like telling them like I expect more from you. I believe you can do more. I believe you can do the right thing in that moment and I'm disappointed you didn't because mm-hmm. if I didn't believe you could, there would be nothing to be disappointed in. You did exactly what I expected. I expect such great things of you because you're such a good person or whatever that I'm disappointed that you made that decision. Yeah. So it's like, I think that there's a way to say everything. Obviously, if you say it with a certain tone, it's just mean. Even if you say a nice word with a certain tone, it can be well, mean. Well, this, this next one was h- yeah. hilarious to me. This oh, one. The hundred times. Why do I have to tell you everything a hundred times? This, I, want, I want to slap that one. This <laughs> happens last night. Literally, when I read this, I got—I wanted to throw my phone across the room because last night, the process of getting the kids to bed for me is so frustrating because right when it's time to get them to bed and I finally get them like settled down, teeth brushed, pajamas on, in your bed, your melatonin nighttime gummy, like the whole So much whole, work. Mike comes home from work at exactly the time that they finally mellow down. And then, daddy's home! And they sprint to the front. And then Mike wants a couple minutes with them. He hasn't seen of them all day. He, he leaves before they get up. So, of course, he wants. So, like, I feel like a total a-hole being like, get in your bed. No, no, no. All right, all right. Hi, daddy. Okay, kisses. Go to bed. I just took a half an hour. But I will say, go brush your teeth. I mean, 12 times. And last night, I was like, I was standing there and I'm like, you guys make me feel like a crazy person. Why am I saying the same thing 35 times? Just do the thing. Wait, but what's the explanation okay, that they said? So what she says, this is what makes me mad. Yeah. She says, the reason you shouldn't say, why do I have to tell you everything a hundred times is because, quote, if you have to endlessly repeat yourself, then you need to rethink your communication strategy. Nagging never works. Kids have very selective listening and they'll tune you right out. Instead, try asking open-ended questions to get the, to the root of what's going on. Connor, why don't you want to brush your teeth? Like, I'm going to punch her. Is this person a parent? And number two, <gasps> I when Millie's old enough to do that to me, although she's perfect and I doubt she'll ever, you know, not listen to uh-huh. mommy. Maybe she won't listen to daddy. But I will say, okay, you can go to bed without brushing your teeth, but I hope you know that all the plaque... And all the things that you ate are forming this barrier on your teeth. And Brandy, as you I cannot sleep, wait. I want to be a fly on the wall when you yes. have that conversation. And with as me. you sleep, she's gonna be like, it's all going I to form decay. I love and your And your vision. teeth might get black. And I then they might fall out. In That's theory, what I'm tell her. In theory, it's beautiful. 
in theory it's beautiful <laughs> I think the way to do that is more like that's fine don't brush your teeth tonight no candy tomorrow if it's you know <laughs> there it is because yeah. let's be real that yeah. you know the whole the barrier of the plaque is really gonna <laughs> obstruct <laughs> I do the I, absorption of the analogy. wait is that my Phyllis voice that or is Phyllis. that how I really that's said Phyllis. that was Phyllis that's very I do like the idea of saying though fine you don't have to brush your yeah. teeth but they're gonna turn yellow and then turn black and then you're gonna ha- and then they're gonna fall right. out oh that's why we take care of our teeth like yeah. just the simple just the the worst case yeah. result at the end explaining it to them but what I the thing that I really rubbed me the wrong way about this is that I just feel like our kids are capable of so much more than I think parents want to give them credit for. I don't need to change my communication strategy into this perfect bouncing around, getting them to see and hear it just the way that sometimes you as the kid need to join my world. Absolutely. You live in this house. You need to hear me when I'm saying something, you need to listen to me. It is not about me getting down on the floor and making everything. That's mm-hmm. no, no, it's not always about that. These kids are capable. Connor is capable. Blake is capable. So I can hold them to that standard. And I think they'll actually get to that place quicker than if I believe they're not capable of listening. And to I'm me. sorry. I think a lot of men in this world do the same thing. Like I think every single man that I know that mm-hmm. has a partner, she always says, I have to tell my husband the same thing. I call my husband my third child because I literally have to say things 20 times before he actually registers it. And Let's I'm like, not even get started so on the hug right now. Oh. But I, I disagree with that. You need so to the one that struck a chord with me was, it says, great job. So the phrase of telling your child, great job, good job, this person says it's so overused that even when a child does a mediocre job, it's lost its meaning and makes a child become dependent on a parent's affirmation. So I, uh, in a lot of ways, agree with this because something that I've been studying a lot and something that I've been trying to implement with Mills is positive parenting and just being more observant and focused on like affirmations of what they're actually doing, which basically takes time. Like, you know, just saying, great job, you did good. It kind of just can fall on deaf ears eventually. You know, it just loses its power of, okay, everything I do is a great job. And holding them accountable to... Oh, actually, you know, that puzzle, uh, no, you know, you're still missing these other pieces or so forth. So I think that I'm hoping the person that said this, they are leaning into the fact that just throwing a compliment around isn't really playing an active role in being a parent. And what would be great is just, uh, you know, being more engaged in what they're doing. it's all about balance too. Because I I see those parents that talk their kids up like no other and they have the confidence and, you know, gusto of anybody. And it's like, wow. But at the same time, that's going to be a harsh reality when they're knocked down Mm -hmm. and it's not by their parents, right? It's by these other people who are not lifting them them up every day. So I see a good balance of it, of yeah, not just throwing out these affirmations. It's like, great job. But like, I do think, for instance, when they're – learning for instance new concepts my kids go to like human so they do like math and english and mm-hmm. so when they learn a new concept and it's like he mastered subtraction it's amazing you know he's excited yeah. about it it's like amazing great mm-hmm. job but now let's see you do it more but then i'm also like i have that indian in me where i'm like you came home with the 95 percent that's one that's on here <laughs> yeah that's one of the ones it says i'm glad that you got a b but you but don't have yeah. an a or something yeah. like yeah. that that's yeah. one of the ones that's on there that's how i grew up i never wanted to bring a test home unless it was you know an a plus because if it was an a minus it was like what happened to the other three and i'm like <sighs> which i wonder like would you have gotten an a minus if your parents didn't push you so hard like i wonder what your baseline would have I been know. if your parents were like listen just do the best you can like how much of that actually made you into the person you are today, made you into a better person who can accomplish more because they had that expectation versus being burdened by it. I don't know. That actually is a great point that I think is like forever a mystery with parenthood. But it actually brings me to this next 
article or story that I really want to touch on, but it's this whole idea of how we raise our kids. What's really important, right? Like, does it mean constantly pounding into them, like, be the best at this, be mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. You have to be the smartest in school, but also street smart, everything. So there was this article, and it, it spoke to me so much because it was basically about this mom, and it's um, <clears throat> she raised two successful CEOs and a doctor. But she's not just, like, any – they're not any CEOs. So Susan is the mother – I'm sorry, um, the mom has a daughter, Susan, who's the CEO of YouTube. No big and deal. Then, no big deal. Um, her Can daughter, I get her number? Right, I, I know. some questions. And then her other daughter is the co-founder and CEO of 23andMe, which, you know, is, is amazing. And it's killing it right now. And then her other daughter is a professor of pediatrics. So obviously very successful woman. And she's saying that she's getting so much attention for the success of her daughters because it's like, how are you? Ra- ra- how mm-hmm. did you raise such, such successful kids? And I loved the advice that she just gave she's saying here's one of the biggest mistakes i see parents making and so she kind of breaks it up into little um verticals but teach your kids to care and that to me was huge it's one thing that my husband who i look up to a lot both professionally and personally the way he leads his life i have no doubt that at 50 he's gonna rule the world and that's you know obviously i'm his wife so i think that too but just the way he operates and leads with within his own company i admire it because he always says to like for us to teach our kids he makes it a point like every time we can we volunteer in a different way just so that they have that character and um that want and aspiration to actually help others so she's saying teach your kids to care the importance of community Mm -hmm. the thing that i thought was so interesting here was um the american ideal is all wrong i've met lots of unhappy millionaires and even some unhappy billionaires a lot of them probably started out as directionless kids so she's saying kids are growing up feeling like they're the center of the universe Mm -hmm. instead of feeling that need of saying how am i going to service other people how am i contributing back to the community in which I'm growing up in. I think a lot of it has to do with feeling like you are part of something bigger and Mm -hmm. so you see yourself more realistically. When you live in a world that's social media and I post these photos of myself and my life and people care and people come and you can lose sight that you're only this tiny, tiny, tiny thing in this huge universe and this world of so many other people. And so I think that it's really... No, it's, it's amazing. I, I, People I who worry about themselves before anything else and anyone else. And I think you're never too young to expose your children to service and purpose and community and volunteering. Uh, just like you said, Ami, my parents volunteered a ton. They actually both got these awesome Volunteer of the Year awards in the state of Arizona because... Aww. They are just That's truly so cool. exemplary, you I know, service that. people. And we always incorporated service into our life. Um, and then also just exposing them to different mm-hmm. cultures and um, different economic status. I mean, those are all mm-hmm. things that really remind you as a child. You know, let them develop their own humbleness and that- an attitude about that. You know, it's, it's harder when you're like, don't, you know, you finish your food because there's starving kids in Africa. It's like, yeah, saying it and actually seeing it. Yeah, I, I can't but wait actually to take, sending them somewhere. Yeah, I can't you know, wait like to take bringing my kids them to with India. you to a, or a soup kitchen in LA. I yeah. mean, just somewhere where they can just think about it. Um, I remember being in fourth grade and not understanding when this kid told me that his, um, both his parents worked two jobs to make ends meet. And, and I remember thinking, okay, and then he broke it down. He's like, yeah, when I get home, I'm by myself. And then my mom, you know, I usually like start dinner and I'm talking fourth grade. So he was like, you know, making soup or whatever, something easier, grilled cheese. And then his mom would get home and then his dad, you know, and I remember not really understanding what he meant until he actually told me, oh my gosh, wait, so your parents aren't home 
when you're by yourself, when you get, you know, and there's no one there at your soccer games and so forth. Um, but so much of this is getting our kids immersed in the world around them, not just the little South Bay bubble. That's uh, yeah. where Tommy and I live. We literally live in such a bubble that it's scary sometimes and we have to step outside of it because they are so privileged and have so much at their fingertips. But one of the things we started, and I think my kids are four and six, so they're old enough to actually digest it. Mm-hmm. So Christmas Eve took, took them to Skid Row. And I think the most beautiful part about it was that they – for I'm not for four hours. Mila, who's four, stood on her feet and served people, and she was <laughs> so in awe of it. And now it's interesting because even now, five six months later after doing that, the first time we did it, she's like, "Wait, so that person's outside in a tent right now? Are they homeless? Like, why don't they have a home?" But it's just the awareness, mm-hmm. I think, because otherwise, yeah. before it's like, "Oh, they're sleeping on the street for some reason." But you just can't know. You can't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you live in an environment and you see only one thing, you don't know there's anything else to see. I mean, it's not It's not like, there's no judgment for mm-hmm. that. But like, the, that's why it's like, I think definitely it's our responsibility to show them, to show them everything else that's out there in the world, to show them how lucky they are. One thing that made me think about it when she talks about, you know, these unhappy billionaires were directionless teenagers, it made me think so... There's this um, place called Beit Teshuvah, which is like a Jewish faith-based rehab center. And I have close people that went through went through Beit Teshuvah and have been sober for a really long time. And their biggest thing there is it's about finding your purpose. That's the key to sobriety. It's what really drives you and moves you. And so this place, not only is there the option and opportunity to get sober and all of the facilities and everything that you actually need and a sober living house and all that stuff, but they take the money that's raised in all of their big you know, galas and all the big ways that they raise money and they actually create like mini companies within Beit Shuva that allow people to follow their passion. So they created like a production company. So there's these people who are videographers and editors and musicians that are creating music and creating films. And it's sponsored and sort of uplifted by the community that's letting them say, okay, you found out what your purpose is. The most successful chance you have at staying sober is continuing to do that work. And so all the different avenues that people want, they help them find a job. And because it is, it's that purpose that keeps you kind of, and it's not money driven because no. I think that's what she says here, which is that there's so much, if you ask people what the purpose is or what really drives you, a lot of times they'll say money. Yeah. And her thing, which I love too, is, you know, you kind of, everyone wants an answer that's like very defined, yeah. right? Definite. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me to feed them do, yeah. Cheerios in the morning. Yeah. You know? Here's the yeah. formula. Mm-hmm. And she just says, you know, the main thing you need to know is the right attitude towards yourself and your children. So even if it's volunteering for a week or researching, like you said, if you, you can't know if you don't know. So yeah. just being aware about certain prob- um, issues and things like that but it all goes back to perspective just Mm -hmm. having perspective and opening we are now adults so I think opening our children's eyes to perspective and I think as young of an age as we possibly can because it really I think also it's easy to get caught up in this idea and I think someone gave me this advice long time ago and I was so happy that they did but it was like don't think your kids won't understand it you know like don't think that they won't understand it if they ask you a question don't say Oh, you're too young. You're too young, or I'll teach. But my parents used to do that to me all the time. And then I would, some, you know, I didn't have Google then, but I would try and figure it out. But I actually try and explain it now, even if it seems so difficult. And even if I have to make it up in a way, I'm at least giving an answer so they understand that they're, I'm not shutting them down. Right. But that to me is helping them form perspective. And I don't, this just, I loved it because it just was that good feelness Mm -hmm. kind of article. Anyone can do that. What's amazing about parenthood is that your children teach you just as much as you teach them. You know, and a lot of the takeaways from that article was, 
you know, if you're listening right now and you're like, gosh, I don't, I don't even do that or I don't think about those things as an adult and now I'm supposed to teach my child that, I think that's just a great lesson is that a lot of times, you know, our kids teach us so much and it kind of, um, you know, changes our perspective and, and forces us to have a reality check with how we're living our life and how we want to model the behavior we expect from our kids. Yeah, it's yeah, a good one. Oh, Touch the soul, okay. people. Chicken, chicken soup. Mm, how about soul. moving on to the royal family for just a oh. scooch of a douche? Oh my, yeah. The royal family and, yeah. So, um, oh my gosh, the baby's finally here. Archie. Yeah. Little Archie. Arrived, arrived a little while ago. Yes, I know. But I guess something that I can't let go of because it just got brought up the other day with a friend of mine who just had a baby is, you know, so remember when the royal family, they had their baby, their first official photo and appearance, Harry was actually holding the baby. And that is the first time we've ever seen that from the royal family. Usually it's the mama and, you know, the husband is, you know, right there beside them. But it's it's the mother holding the baby, cradling the baby. And um, we were talking about this uh, the other day and, and it, it kind of brought up the fact of like, what does it mean when the dad is holding the baby or the dad's doing most of the care? And I brought this up because when Millie was first born, my husband did all of the night feedings. And anytime I share that with people, it doesn't matter what, you know, where we are, people just cannot believe it. They just think that is so bizarre, you know, um, like how nice of him. That's so sweet. Oh my gosh, really? Like he it's let an unexpected sleep. role. Yeah, like it was something expected. Um, you guys, we've talked about this before. Like, you know, when a dad does daddy duty, you know, why is it called daddy duty? Why is it called... You know, some people still say babysitting. No, it's called co-parenting. Yeah. I made this child and we're just too. as responsible. So, um, yeah, I feel like this theme is not going away. And yeah, it's so interesting. Crazy. It's so interesting. Like, Mike is a super involved dad. I mean, he's 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 amazing. He's absolutely an incredible father. When When the kids were little and I was nursing them... He definitely didn't do any of the nighttime stuff. Same. But, but that was also because I didn't, no part of me thought, like, like what's he going to do? I was like, I'm nursing. Like, mm-hmm. I've got to be up. So what good is it for you to be up to? But I wasn't pumping. and mm-hmm. like, So it wasn't like he couldn't really. I was the one up and doing it. But I think that also there are these rules that generally are defined between parents where, like, there are times on a Saturday when Mike is off from work and we're both off that, like, I feel lazy and exhausted and I don't want to do anything. And he's the one that will go outside and play with them for two hours and play football and run around. And like, that's something that like, if he got on me for not doing that, I would be upset. And so sometimes there are those roles that like, okay, I mm-hmm. take care of dinner more. And some nights I'm annoyed that I don't feel like cooking and I don't want to do it, but that's on me. But then there are things that I don't want to do that he does. Cause that's more like dad duty or right. just Mike and Orly have mm-hmm. decided what those things are and we have a, a dynamic that works but I just think it's always a really funny thing the the babysitting idea the what roles are who does what the like I think that that's something I'm actually really impressed with my husband about Viral. he especially coming from an Indian background where it's very clear like back yeah. in the day of you know woman's mm-hmm. in the home and dad is out working and even with the way we structured our situation like He's definitely the biggest breadwinner, mm-hmm. and he's traveling a ton, but he is so present when he's here, and yeah. he always takes on the, like, he'll come home, and he's like, let's go play tennis for two hours, honey, yeah. you're not feeling well, let me take the kids out. He doesn't ever, he does definitely think, like, cooking, Yeah. if he wanted to, maybe, but it's more of a mess than anything. <laughs> um, so I don't feel that so much, but yes, I definitely feel, like, certain things, where, like, people, my mom is actually the most, it, it gets me riled up, because she'll be like, are you taking care of him? Did he get oh. fed? I'm like, mom. And what's so funny? 
funny about oh that to me? Oh my goodness. What's so funny about that to me is that my mom and dad were both engineers together at this like I'm like, Mom, you're probably one of the most progressive women I know for your generation, yet you're asking me like <laughs> Am I doing what I need to be doing? I'm like, girl, come on. Back up off it. Back up. But. Yeah, I think for me is, you know, I always make it clear, Mr. A does everything at our house. I mean, I really could not be the parent or the wife that I am without him. He definitely does dinner a lot more than me some some weeks. Um, has more energy, it feels like. so. <laughs> but, I, but I also love what you said, Orly. It's an Orly and Mike thing. Like, yeah. that's the dynamic you've created in your home. And I guess what makes it hard is when friends you know, are looking for advice and they're asking me and it's like, you know, I, that's the expectation that I have. Right. Um, I did nurse my baby, but I was so obsessed with making milk because I knew I was going back to work that I was a pump machine. So, um, but I also like that because it allowed that bonding time with my husband. His schedule also is a little more flexible than most. So he doesn't have to be at an office at 8 a.m. Right. Um, which I really respect when parents say, well, I'm nursing. My husband is going back to work in two weeks. That wouldn't make, it's no good for anyone if one of us isn't sleeping. Right. You need to um, divide yeah, and conquer. I really hope that we can get away from this judgment where if a dad is um, too hands-on, it says something about the mom and right. then vice versa. That's a great point. It's like all of a sudden you're too much of a dad, like being Mr. Mom. And mm-hmm. so is she not holding she up She must end be of missing something. Yeah. And that to me gets me really frustrated too. Mm-hmm. Unless, and it, it's, all, it's all about equal playing field and yeah. like making sure you're both doing things. Yeah. Okay, wait, did anybody else notice? I don't know. I noticed this, but I remember we talked about the whole, you know, Megan deciding not to take that first picture after delivery. But, you know, did you guys see yeah, when... Did, we didn't know that, right? That's what people were thinking, that she wouldn't do that. Right. And so, but but she didn't, because she didn't come out right after, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't come from in front of the hospital. That's where the royal family usually takes pictures, yeah. right? And so. they came from, I think it was like almost a week after, was it? Yeah. Or two They were just after. like at the palace or at their... I don't know. Either way, I was still like blown away that she was right, you know, very soon after birth and in heels. And I felt her pain <laughs> like when she was walking away and... I was just like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. She's probably in pain and walking in, you know, yeah. heels mm-hmm. all dressed up. And she looked puffy, which obviously is great. I mean, she's showing what real moms look like. I'm sure she was full of fluid and, you know. <laughs> so much of the fluid. But yeah, I was just like, there's, gosh. The, there's one thing I wanted to mention, kind of, it, it sort of is relating a little bit to what we're talking about. One of the dynamics that, although Mike and I have sort of agreed upon most everything, there's one dynamic that always drives me freaking nuts. And I'm just going to share it just to share it. So whenever we've got somewhere important to go, I always feel like, let's say I'll say, okay, we're going to, the barbecue starts at five. We need to like be in the car at 4.30. I feel like Mike will go and get in the, he's actually in the other room right now. So I'm like talking quietly. So he will go get in the shower at 4.22. When we're supposed to be in the car at 4.30. And like when I hear the the shower, when I hear the shower go on, I cannot express the rage I feel because I'm like, let me just get this straight. I feel your rage. We're going to a barbecue or a dinner at my parents or whatever. I was responsible for cooking something. So I cooked the thing. I'm a girl. So I took the shower. I did my hair. I did my makeup. I put like, right, the, that getting ready takes longer than mm-hmm. you. I also got both the kids ready. I also packed bags for the kids for pajamas. Like, I did all of the things. All you had to do was be ready to get in the car at 430 and you're getting in the shower at 422. And then like, he'll get out of the shower and then be like, did Callie eat? And like, the rage that I'm like, their dog. it's 433. We should be in the car three minutes ago and we're still just talking about feeding Callie and putting her out, letting her eat. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, the mom duty of getting everyone ready to go somewhere. We 
go to New York. I pack all the suitcases. I oh, do the whatever. Yeah. And it's the night before at midnight that the lights are all on in the room because he's packing this his suitcase. This has to be a, there has to be a scientific <laughs> yeah, reason around this. But like, wait. there's a short in men's brains that don't allow <laughs> it's them so true. to multitask or think ahead. Similarly, similarly, similarly. <laughs> wait, question though. Yeah. yeah. Is... Do you, does that, is that a division of labor though? Like for instance, are you the one that's making sure all the bags are packed Mm -hmm. and all that is done? And then does like Mike take care of, like does he know everything about the insurance bills and like everything in the house? Like is there some sort of, because I have a friend, I have, I have Mm. couple friends where my girlfriend's like, no, I know everything and anything about every bill that needs to be paid, about every insurance thing, about our wills. And I do everything else that's like literally he could not operate if I were to just drop him in right. and say I'm leaving. He would not know anything. Whereas like there are certain things where I'm like only I know and I have to make yes. sure it is set up so clearly for my husband to be like this is where this is. But then at the same time for certain things like yes, you know. I we do have a division of labor and that is something I don't remember where I heard it. I think it was someone that was on our show that was talking about the um, the. Roles? Or? Yeah, but like the freedom you'll feel when you very clearly designate who's responsible for what because yes. the energy it takes trying to be like, are you going to do that? Am I going to do that? I kind of thought you were going to do that, but now it's not done. So now I'm feeling like I'm supposed to. That energy mm-hmm. and that frustration is gone when you say, hey, A, B, C, D, and E are you. Yep. I don't want to hear a damn thing about it. You know, L, M, N, O, P are mine and I'm not going to bother you with it. And like that division just creates that much less confusion and therefore that much less frustration. And when you look at them, like, so I do think that that is important. The getting ready thing yeah. is one thing that I don't think has ever been clearly defined. So I'm just always yeah, annoyed. I don't yeah. know what. Yeah, I don't know. That must be a short circuit. Well, thing. I lo- it has to be. There's something wrong with their brain. Um, <laughs> I love you. I love you, Michael. I love you. I'm gonna come in there and give you a big old kiss. <laughs> um, so when when Mr. A and I uh, got married, we went through a year of marriage counseling through our Catholic Church, and one Amazing. of the things that we learned was exactly what Orly just said. But I can't stress to everyone enough: this is something that you can do once a year. This is something that you can reset in your marriage right now and decide. And it can be small tasks like taking out the trash. Like who was responsible for doing that the night before the trash man's going to be here? Um, And and I do think that a lot of frustration in households and just like the the busyness of how to maintain a home can be prevented when people have clear Mm -hmm. defined roles and responsibilities. Um, That made me think about dinner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because like I said, I admitted that Mr. A does a lot of the cooking. Um, But something that he doesn't do a lot of is making sure that Millie eats her vegetables. So um, a lot of you guys have reached out to me about some food tips. I wanted to share a couple about how I sneak foods into our daughter's diet. Food specifically that like kids or kind of most people generally don't like. Um, and one of those was I posted my cauliflower cheese mac and cheese Yum. or cauliflower mac and cheese, but it, it does have so cheese good. too. Um, and, uh, anyway, so I just had a quick list that I wanted to give you guys because I know you see that Millie eats everything and she does, but a lot of times I have to, you know, sneak get a little sneaky there. with it. Yeah. So one of those is cauliflower. Like don't try to give your kid raw cut up florets and a dip and think that they're gonna chow on them. So a couple tricks is steam the cauliflower or you can buy cauliflower rice. It softens it and adding it to mac and cheese. Mm. So again, like I'm speaking because, uh, I'm speaking because, I'm speaking from the point of view that, you know, we eat a lot of different foods in our house. I'm not saying that this is a healthy swap, but it's just a way to get those immune boosting 
vitamin C's. I feel like I'm having pregnancy brain. Ah, and I can't can speak. I just tell you real quick? Yeah. That's happened to me like four times in this episode Has where it? I started me talking too. and I literally didn't know me what too. I was. And then I was like, yeah, you know, and it's just. Ugh. I think it's because I was like, I can't find my way out of this. I think it's because <laughs> it's we're trying time. to figure out also how we vibe with each other. And now that the podcast is live and we're actually getting feedback <laughs> from people, I think it's odd because we're just kind of like, wait, no, am I saying this right? Because, well, yeah, by the way, guys, we made a really conscious effort when recording this to not, because we realized we step on each other because we're so relaxed and we're talking. So we realize that we jump on top of each other. So we're trying to give each other space. And so we keep looking at each other like, am I next? And I can be mom brain in the middle of that because I'm yeah. like, I have a point, but I'm going to wait till <laughs> Orly's done talking. <laughs> Talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. Anyway. We digress. No, so the cauliflower, easy, super easy to do. Another thing is you can also take those cauliflower florets, um, season them, dredge them almost like you would uh, anything that you fry and bake them. And those oh are like God, I've so tried, like, easy. The buffalo wheat and cauliflower. Yes, yeah, so oh for gosh, cauliflower so nuggets. Um, and then serve them with a dip. So that's just one thing. Another thing was lentils. So I love lentils, but a lot of kids don't. Um, so sometimes I will just take the already made lentils from Trader Joe's and add half of them to either ground beef or ground turkey for our turkey bowls or for our tacos. You can't even that taste them. Awesome. It's seasoned just like you would your taco meat and lentils obviously provide protein and fiber um, and it's great. Um, and, and speaking of lentils, this made me think of you or Ami since you're Indian, is one of my favorite Indian dishes is dal. Yeah, love. And um, Millie, sometimes it's about setting up foods that are an activity and fun. So what I mean by that is I can't make a homemade batch of doll to save my life. I also haven't tried, but it's so intimidating. It's not really. Is it all the spices I need? But we do go out and get Indian food or just different um, Mm -hmm. bold flavor foods. And sometimes I'll just make it into a dip, whatever it is. Because if if you're not familiar, doll is like this cooked lentil dish. It's saucy. And so I will let Millie take the warm naan bread and cut it up into strips, and then she dips it so into cute. the doll. So then she's getting this awesome lentil thing. And then the last one is, I've talked about these muffins before, but man, when I am in a tight squeeze like this morning, headed to shoot, um, or Millie's going to be with a caretaker all day, I love to make my zucchini carrot banana muffins. I've tried those before. Did you? And they're delicious. They they're sound so, yummy. so disgusting. And, <laughs> but they're, if you don't let the kids watch you make them, they're so good. Yeah. So I was just, actually surprised. If you have a favorite carrot cake recipe or, again, Trader Joe's, any grocery store has, like, banana bread mix. I mean, it can be a savory or sweet thing. Um, but you just add some of those shredded carrots, shredded zucchini. Love you it. can also do it with frittatas, so um, adding egg. But Speaking of the lentils yeah. one, there's a great – I love Trader Joe's because they always have such fantastic semi-homemade just stuff. easy, yeah. So the lentils that you're talking mm-hmm. about, one thing that I love doing is taking the – in the fridge section, and you can eat them cold. I don't warm them up. You take it. You put the lentils, and then there's the bruschetta mix, which is right mm. next to it. Oh. You put that inside of it, mm. and then you take the crumpled feta – you mix oh. it all together. I'm not kidding you. So it has the best flavor. And that is such a good side yeah, to take on is, your way to like a barbecue. Oh my gosh. And it, last minute, like let's say you're just like, oh, I got invited to a barbecue or you haven't had time to prep anything. It is the best app to take. And people are like, oh my God, this is so good. And you just get one of the crackers or pita bread or. And then just borrow a bowl when you get there. It is so Genius. good. It's really good. Uh, we should definitely have a series on Trader Joe's finds because I feel like traders... We're just sharing those little tips yeah. and tricks. Like, I yeah. swear, these zucchini muffins save me all the time for breakfast or for a quick snack. And so many of my tips I do get from other friends and mamas that just don't have time. So I'm glad that you guys said you were interested in hearing about those because I love sharing them. 
Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the finds, let's go on to our products. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You want to start? I mean, obviously. No. You're a junkie. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a big skincare junkie. Everything beauty related is what I'm about. But usually I would give you guys a good drugstore deal or find. Today I'm call- talking about one of my favorite products, which is vitamin C or one of my favorite ingredients. Vitamin C, if you guys are not using it, brandy. Oh, whoops. <laughs> you can use it when you're pregnant too. It's fantastic. Oh, nice. It helps with um, uneven skin tone, helps brighten your skin, helps fight antioxidants. It's an antioxidant, so it helps fight all of those yucky things out in the Amazing. <clears throat> in the air, pollutants and all that stuff. So the Sunday Riley CEO, especially I'm talking to my... Sunday Riley. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a woman of color, but I tell my girlfriends especially like my brown babes who have discoloration under their eyes, there's nothing that is really going to get rid of your dark under eye circles. There's Mm -hmm. nothing. Unfortunately, it is hereditary. It is what it is. But as far as having a potent concentration of vitamin C that is really going to target dark spots, pigmentation, all that stuff, this is amazing. It is pricey. It's under $100, Did you say you do use it morning and night? Uh, No, No. vitamin C morning. Morning, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just so good. So okay. Sunday Riley CEO is. And the will bottom. that work for like dark spots? Yes, dark spots. Yeah, dark spots. You know, general uneven and exactly. Dark spots. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, mine is this stuff that I put in my coffee every single morning. It was suggested to me by Cameron Matheson, who's the host at Home and Family, and he is like a crazy. I don't even want to call him a health junkie. He's like a longevity junkie. He's all about like anti-inflammation foods and exercises that help your body like maintain wow. and grow old. And he, I mean, he looks like he's aging in rewind. So I basically listen to whatever he says. <laughs> I'm always like, tell me about this. <laughs> and he suggested this stuff called Vital Proteins Collagen Peptides. And it's a powder that you can add into your coffee, your water, um, any, it's completely tasteless, odorless. It doesn't add like a thick consistency to anything. It just literally disappears. And it's just collagen. And it helps with your joints, it helps with your muscles, it helps with skin repair and your hair growing and your nails growing. And it's just a way to add in like a little extra boost. And because it doesn't taste like anything, it's no real sacrifice. It's something that's so easy to do. So we just have it sitting next to our coffee machine. Mike and I each put a scoop in our coffee in the morning. Um, And I have two cups of coffee in the morning, so I put one in each. And I just think it's, you know. I've heard so much about it. Yeah. I I have some. I just haven't used it. I know, me too. So I'm glad that you're saying that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's not something where you're going to notice, like, all of a sudden your skin's like, like, it's not that kind of collagen in your skin, but it is very good for your bones and your joints. And again, just your general, like, hair growth and nails and skin. And to me, something like that, you know, it's not super expensive. It's also a no-brainer. I mean, the reason why why I bought it is because I like that it's flavorless. I've just been lazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's an additive boost that if it is, you know, showing, especially like you're saying, things that you can't see, those are the things, it's not just about how we look, it's on the inside too. It actually matters. the outside people. Well, you know what's so funny is I read this book a long time ago, um, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was was about aging. And something I never knew, which I think is so fascinating, Mm -hmm. is that around all of our joints, we've got something called, I believe it's called fascia. I think that's the right oh, word. Oh yes, and it's that the fat blasting. It's that no, no, no. Oh, that's fine. It's no, no, no. It's um. It, so I might be saying the wrong word. I'll look it up. But basically, it's this like liquid, oily type substance that's around all of our joints and the our, band of tissue below the skin oh. that covers underlying tissues and separates different layers of tissues. No, so I said the wrong thing. <laughs> no fascia. No, but that's it's not, not fascia. It? Oh, no, okay, because okay. basically, it's like it's like a lubricant for our joints is what it's called. Got so I'll it. look okay. up what it is. But the way that it was described is as you get older, it's very much like uh, if you think about like a coconut oil. So when it's warm and it's being used and your muscles are being used and you're walking and you're active, that 
whatever it's called, I'm so bummed I can't remember it, is staying lubricant and your muscles and your joints, you can run, you can walk, you can do everything. As we age and we get more sedentary, it's like coconut oil when it gets cold and it hardens. Mm. And that's why you see older people with like, when they limp and they can't bend their knees right and they're stuck, it's not actually... It's not the muscles pulling them. Mm-hmm. It's that stuff that's supposed to stay lubricated so that you can continue to move that hardens and your joints can no longer have the same range of motion. I'm gonna as start they putting did. it in my like collagen so, is what I'm using. But it's just two days. <laughs> the idea that that lubrication of the inside is something that's really important. I you know, mean, and stretching to stretch in that. Lube's never that. a bad thing. Well, <laughs> all right, uh, Brandy, you're up. Okay, Phyllis. <laughs> Phyllis is here. I love when Phyllis gets naughty. Oh, man. Okay, so I discovered this product when Mills was crawling and exploring, and she was always on the floor. And so we're a shoeless home at our tiny little bungalow, um, but there's still a lot of floor to clean, and so I started using this steam mop. It's the Bissell Power Fresh. It's like $75. What I love is that... It's almost like, you know, if you use a Swiffer, but actually something that you just refill the water. But it steams your floor, so you actually don't need to use any cleaners if you don't want to. And it sanitizes them. I mean, the thing gets super hot, so I'll just do a quick sweep, and then I will literally use this, and it's super light, and I'll steam all of our um, wood floors. And it just makes it easy. You can go from the tile to um, laminate or real wood or engineered wood. So easy, and actually... um, and, and, you know, it, it steams it and sanitizes it, but it's not like it's so hot or it gets so wet that you have to wait forever for it right. to dry. Is there, like, a pad on the bottom that, like, cleans? Yeah, it comes with two pads, um, like, little uh, sponges or, like, rags, and then you can just throw them in the washer. Amazing. So I've been using that all the time, and it's just easy, and I hope it saves you well, guys some time, Well, if it's Phyllis approved, I'm going to start using it. I'm in. Absolutely, girls. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for hitting the five stars and writing a review because um, we're brand new. So it's sometimes hard for people to find us. So if you guys can write a review, if you are liking what you're hearing um, and hit five stars wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be really helpful so that we actually show up as as a result. And screenshot your phones, share it with friends, share it with anyone that you think would enjoy the content. And as always, go to Mommy Group Pod on Instagram at Mommy Group Pod and you can DM us subjects, articles, things you're seeing that you want included in the next episode. Yes, please keep this conversation going, ladies and gents. Have a powerful week, mamas. Bye.